Tell me what you really, really want. Hi, I'm your hostess, Lisa Drennan. Welcome to Forgiving the Girl Inside, A Matter of the Heart. In these episodes, we connect with courageous women who are ready to share their healing journey stories. Forgiveness is all about connecting with our inner child, connecting with our heart, and realizing we can never go back and change the circumstances, but we can certainly gain a new perspective. Mindset is the crux of all that we do. It's a matter of the heart. Want to be a guest? Visit lisadrennan.com and sign up today. Would love for you to like, rate, and leave a comment on this episode. Be sure to share it with who you know will resonate the most with it. Want to learn more about aligning your thoughts with your heart? Subscribe to my website and connect for a free discovery call where we dive into Welcome to this episode of Forgiving the Girl Inside, A Matter of the Heart. I'm your hostess, Lisa Drennan, and this is May of 2022. So if you're watching this in the future, this is when this episode, we're doing a series, a podcast blast, a courageous woman, post-abortion, miscarriage, or loss of a child, sharing their healing journey story. And this series is called Sharing the Secret. So many of us women believe that when we suffer a loss, we don't have permission to grieve it. Or we get that stand that standard comment, oh, it'll get better over time. It, it, it won't hurt as much the more, the longer it is. That's a lie. And there's so many lies that we believe about our own personal healing journey. I believe that you never fully heal and that every day is a grieving process and that You can change your perspective about what happened, but you can never change what happened. You can't go back to that that experience and make it different. So accepting it and processing it, what you reveal heals. Today's special guest is Dr. Kristen Cook. She has a beautiful healing journey story. She is a pediatrician, author and mama of two strong-willed kids. I could have been one of her kids. I'm very (laughs) strong-willed. She is passionate about helping parents create a more peaceful and effective parenting experience. And coming from the medical aspect of it is amazing. I'm currently reading the book, The Body Keeps the Score, and it fascinates me how our mind, our gut, and all that works together. And when you conceal your hurt, you choose not to grieve your loss because of fear or what have you, it comes out sideways through your body, and it can create a lot of illnesses and such. Um, So... Kristen, thank you so much for being here. Um, tell us, what was life like before? You're going to be sharing your story um, about miscarriage. Yeah, absolutely. First of all, Lisa, thank you so much for having me. And I absolutely applaud you. This is such an important topic. And it oftentimes gets you know shoved under the rug. People don't want to talk about it. People don't want to hear about it. But it is, it's an essential part of life. Um, and so... Pre-kid, I um, was just starting my pediatric medical practice. And in fact, interestingly enough, one of the reasons that I decided to become a pediatrician is because I never thought I would have kids. 
I had horrible self-esteem. I never thought I would find a partner. Um, and I loved kids. And I thought, well, at least I can kind of live vicariously through other people by becoming a pediatrician. Mm-hmm. Um, met a wonderful person, fell in love, got married, and started the journey towards parenthood. Wow. I can't imagine you, you, you're so confident and beautiful and you just have this glow about you. I can't imagine you like feeling that way and having this low self-esteem and it just goes to show you, you know, you never know like what people are dealing with on the inside. It's such an important thing just to realize for those of you listening out there that just because it looks like you have it all put together on the outside doesn't mean that you do, you know, you can have your, your career and all of that, but you still feel like there's something missing and you look in that mirror and you tell yourself, well, I'm not good enough. I can't do this. And this is never going to happen. And then everything changes, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So you got married, you met the, the, the love of your life. Uh, which is a beautiful story in itself. Someday I'll do a podcast about that. <laughs> That's something that I like to do because I've heard a lot of women um, who have been on the show so far who talk about, yeah, I met this wonderful man and then, and the support and the love that they received um, in that relationship is so important. Trust is the foundation of all of our relationships. So you were, you were in really, I mean, you guys had a lot going on. You were building your medical practice. He was finishing his PhD program. Um, you had a little dog named Grismo yep. and you were traveling. Yep. So what made you decide? Like, so you, you had this belief that there's no way we're not having, I'm not having a family. I'm just going to become a pediatrician. What made you change your mind to want to have a family? So all of our friends started having kids and it was kind of like baby fever. You know, everybody around us was pregnant. I loved kids. He loved kids. We decided that we wanted to try to have a family together. Um, And fortunately, we got pregnant pretty quickly. We were only trying for a couple of months before I became pregnant. And we were insanely happy over the moon, but also really naive. You know, even as a physician, the idea of pregnancy loss never entered my mind until it actually happened to me. Yeah. I can't even imagine how, how many, how far along were you when you experienced so the loss? I was only, I want to say it was about seven, eight weeks. Oh, wow. So wasn't very far along at all, but this was, really the first pregnancy for the entire family, it was going to be the first grandchild for both sides of our family, both mine and my husband's. And it was a really big deal. And um, we essentially told our family about the pregnancy as as soon as we found out. Mm -hmm. So they they were already invested in it as well. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So what happened? Like when you, would you mind sharing that experience? No, of course not. So, um, a few weeks after I found out I was pregnant, I experienced some vaginal bleeding and you know, the, the doctors, they tell you, okay, pelvic rest, meaning don't have sex, leave that area, you know, alone. Um, but the bleeding continued. So my OBGYN had me come in for an ultrasound And again, so naive. I had no idea that pregnancy loss was even on the radar. Um, My mom actually asked to come to that appointment. 
And I agreed. And so there I am lying on an exam table. I'm getting an ultrasound done. My mom is standing next to me. My husband's on the other side of me. And all of a sudden the text says, I'm going to go get the doctor. Okay. And again, (laughs) I was so naive. This was only my second ultrasound during pregnancy. The doctor comes in and I'll never forget this. She looked at the screen. She looked at me. She looked back at the screen. She looked at me and said, I'm sorry, there's no heartbeat. And then slowly walked out of the room. And it was like time stopped. Mm. I can still picture the look on my mom's face, even all these years later. And it was just absolutely devastating. Wow. Yeah, I'm getting chills. That must have been the worst news to hear. It was terrible. Yeah. And and the doctor just walked out and... She was very kind and very compassionate, but I think she was trying just to give us some space. Yeah. I don't think, I I don't think it was cold or uncaring. I I think it was actually the opposite. I think she was just trying to give us some time. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So then what did they do? They just tell you to like, kind of let it, let the baby work. No, actually, um, a, so this happened on a Wednesday. They scheduled me for a DNC on that following Friday. And then I was back at work the following Monday. Wow. So you never really took time to, to grieve or process? No time. No time. Uh, did you uh, Did you and your husband talk about it and like the feelings that came around? Not initially. No, not initially. It was, um, and I think he was trying to protect me. I grew up in a home that really didn't encourage discussion of emotions. And, and so my default was kind of just to just, just shove it all down, just shove it all down, go on with my life, try not to think about it. And it's impossible not to think about it, but that's what I attempted to do. And in fact, the first day back at work, My very first patient that I had to see was a infant who was born while her mother, while his mother, I'm sorry, his mother was high on cocaine when he delivered, when she delivered him. And here I am still bleeding. um, And I have to walk in this room and be kind and compassionate to this woman who used drugs her entire pregnancy, would barely even look at her child, gave it up to the first person who was willing to take it. And it was just, my broken heart broke a million times more. I remember after seeing that family taking care of that infant, I just went back to my office. I closed the door and I just sobbed. Yeah. I can't even imagine. Yeah. To even get through that. And I mean, you, and you talked about um, burying it for six years. Mm-hmm. So during that time, I mean, what was it like that happy face you put on your happy face to get to work, to work with the families and the children? And then did you have like an unhealthy coping mechanism that you turned to to, to help you bury that grief? Or so maybe you had a healthy coping mechanism. <laughs> no, it, it just I just pushed myself to work harder. I was going to be the best pediatrician the best wife. 
and my husband and I were very fortunate. And three months after my DNC, we were pregnant again. And what should have been a very happy time, I was petrified the entire pregnancy. I wouldn't allow myself to be happy about it. Um, I took people's comments very personally. And it, it just wasn't, it wasn't a good time. It wasn't a good time. Yeah. Were you scared that whole time you were pregnant? Absolutely. I did not relax until that baby was in my arms. Wow. The entire pregnancy, I was petrified. It didn't matter if I had a normal ultrasound. It didn't matter if my OBGYN told me that things were going well. I did not, I don't think I took a full deep breath for eight months. My son was born a little premature. I really don't think I, I took a, a full deep breath for eight months. Yeah, I can imagine the fear. Did it occur to you, um, especially being a doctor, that you should get counseling or or go to a grieving group? No, for not at all. Not at all. I mean, again, I grew up in a family that emotions just weren't discussed. You were expected to be fine. And that's what I knew. So that's what I did. I went to work. I put on a happy face. Meanwhile, I'm struggling with feelings of anger and resentment and jealousy all the same time telling myself, nice girls don't feel that way. Nice girls don't get jealous because somebody else has a baby. Mm -hmm. So, well, and nice girls that are doctors, right? (laughs) You have that label to fight with, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So here you are this prestigious person in your community and you got to put this happy face on and like, yeah, one of the things is, I mean, my story, I had three pregnancies prior to age 17, two of them ended in abortion. And when I had my son, when I, I was like, you know, devastated to make that choice. And, you know, I, I remember praying and telling myself, okay, when I get pregnant again, thinking me looking back, like, why did I even say like I get pregnant again, but I would be old enough to have the child and I would be the best mom. But as a young mom, I mean, I was only 18 when I had my son, he's 35 now, he's gonna be 36, May 11th. But I always felt insignificant because all the parents, like we would go to, like I wanted him to be social and, and to play. And they had this thing called Jimboree and I would take him and he would play. And all the parents, I felt like were looking down at me because of course I look young. I mean, I'm 54, sure. but you know, I looked like I was 12 with this little baby and they would look at me like, and I just felt so insignificant and just so unworthy. And I would always think like, why did I have a baby when there were couples who struggled to even get pregnant? And then, you know, like you had, I worked at social security for 30 years and we would see infants being born, the fetal alcohol syndrome and the ones addicted to drugs. And they'd have to actually have to go through withdrawal symptoms. You know, they were born prematurely and my heart would break for these little babies. And I was like, I don't understand like this, I don't get it. Like these loving parents who really want to have, who can provide, you know, in all, in all aspects, you know, physically, emotionally, everything. And they can't, they struggle. It just never made sense to me. So yeah. And it's amazing how powerful those thoughts can be and they do overcome. So you were angry lashing out. What did you do anything in particular to to release all of that? So I, dove headfirst into attempting to be the perfect parent. 
I, my son was premature. He would not latch. So I woke up every two to three hours around the clock for months to try to pump. I would wake up early to exercise. Um, I wasn't taking care of myself. I was trying to be everything to everyone else to just ignore the intense amount of pain that I was in. Totally relate to that. So what snapped in you? So it was, it was not until after my daughter was born, my son and my daughter about three years apart, my husband and I, when we were planning our future together, realized that we wanted two children. That was like our magic number. That was what we had envisioned. And when I was pregnant with my daughter, I could not shake the feeling of what makes this baby better than the one I lost. This is technically pregnancy number three for me. We had only planned on doing this twice. Why is this one better than the other one? And I struggled a lot with those types of emotions during my third pregnancy. And it really took a couple of years after her being born for me to realize these were the two children that I was meant to raise. These were the two children that were meant to be mine. These were the two children that I was meant to guide through life and help them grow into healthy, happy, productive adults. Mm -hmm. And that's really kind of when the healing journey really started for me was when I was able to accept, in my view, this is what the universe has in mind for me. Yeah. That's a beautiful way to put it, you know, because I, I, um, on my YouTube channel, I started that before the podcast in 2000, in the summer of 21, there's a story of a woman who um, had two abortions and explains that that child wasn't meant to be born. And, you know, that life made that decision and kind of explain it just the way you did about, you know, the universe um, just saying, nope, this child isn't going to be born. Um, and I know a lot of like for um, in my coaching program, we go through the process of naming our child, mm-hmm. um, in my case, children. And it's a beautiful um, th- it's a beautiful thought process. Of if you know, you know, the, the sexes. I know one woman I was working with couldn't, she didn't even know she was pregnant. Like she was so shocked that she wasn't tuned into her body to even know that she was pregnant. And then, you know, so when she lot, when she found out she was pregnant and aborted the baby, she wasn't able to name the baby or connect because she never connected with that soul in the first place. When I'm like, but you did, you just, because your mind is so powerful, you didn't want to, but you can get to that. You can get to that layer. Did you name your, your baby? I didn't. I didn't. Um, I can see how that would be very powerful for women though. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a beautiful concept. I just never, I never, it never even crossed my mind. Um, my intuition tells me that it was a girl, although technically it would have been too soon to, to really I right. mean, tell at seven, eight weeks. Um, but no, never named, never named. That's your intuition. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. after, 
I, yeah. I had, uh, I had dreams. I, I continuously have dreams about boy, girl, boy, girl, and there's patterns. So I have, um, a boy, girl, boy. Okay. And I, my mom passed away in October, 2018. Yesterday would have been her 83rd birthday. But when she passed away, I was going through a healing and an intense healing journey class. And it was the first time I had shared with anyone. I mean, I had the abortions in 1985, kept it to myself from 1985 until 2016. I didn't tell anyone. I swore I would never tell. Now the whole world knows. Um, But I didn't, when I told my husband in 2016, he had known because my mother had told him, I'm like, well, how did she know? (laughs) Well, the guy I was with had told her and they never told me that they knew which was a blessing because if they, I would have been, you know, I was already angry, mad, full of disgust. Um, But I didn't realize that that decision had, you know, caused all these anger feelings. I didn't realize not like just by burying it, that it created, it just made me feel so ugly and so resentful. And just, just, it was just beyond my control because I just believed the lies that kept going through my head so someone had told me that, you know, you could name your babies if there's this um, Rachel's garden or something. And I thought, how would you know what to name them if you don't know? I mean, I was only six weeks. I mean, I was literally, I think they had to wait because I was like clockwork with my period. I think they had to wait until I was six weeks before they could do it, even though they knew I was pregnant. And I was told it was just a blob that it didn't even have a formation, that it was just like a, a tumor. You know, in your night in the eighties, they didn't have all the information they have now. You know, I mean, the medical field, as you know, has grown and the technology. I had a CAT scan today and I was just like, you know, they're, they're taking pictures of my heart and my liver through my, through blankets and a shirt. And I'm yeah. like, how, how does this even work? But, um, you know, back then they just didn't have that. And I was like, I, how can I name? I like, first of all, like now just to, to release it and say and tell that I had it. Well, then to go through the process, I couldn't still, I couldn't talk about it. I would just cry. And then in 2018, I went through this class called the healing journey. And in 2019, we were in the middle of it. My mom had passed away in October. And in January, we're going through this process of grieving. And I realized I never grieved any of the losses. And I was having a hard time grieving my mom because I grew up thinking that, you know, when you love Jesus, you're going to die and go to heaven. There's no grieving. You celebrate. So when she asked to die, I mean, she, she signed her own papers and I was her, you know, healthcare proxy. And I'm so glad she signed her own papers because my brothers were having a fit. If I would have signed them, they would have been like, you killed our mom. Um, but, you know, cause you know how death does that to people. But anyways, I was like, I can't name my babies because I don't know what they are, what they were supposed to be. And I had a dream with um, them in heaven with my mom. And one was a boy, had dark hair, and another one was a little girl, a little bit younger, and she had blonde hair. And I kept dreaming, dreaming about it. And my daughter had known um, what I had did. And she's like, after I thought my older kids, like my son, and I have two nieces around the same age, I thought it was their babies that they were going to have. Yeah. Like, oh, somebody is a family, they're either going to have twins, or they're really close in age. And my daughter finally, after four, I mean, I kept literally having this dream every single day. My daughter finally said, mom, those are your babies. Those are your, that's my brother and sister. And then I prayed about it. And it's just like, yeah, it is. So I named them in my book, forgiving the girl inside, finding balance, freedom and fun in your life. Um, I named them Michael and Tamara. So 
Um, it is, I, you know, like, and you're talking about trusting your intuition. We know the answers. I mean, they're inside of us. And I think we get so lost in what the world says and what the books say and what, you know, that we kind of lose that in-depthness of ourselves because we're listening to our head and not our hearts. Yeah. So I encourage you to, to, <laughs> to name your child. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's interesting when you talk about the dreams I've had multiple dreams of, of the child that I lost and, you know, I can see the dark hair. I can see congenital deformities. I mean, one of the things I think women who experience abortion or pregnancy loss put so much blame on themselves, but it's so important to give yourself grace. If you're somebody that has gone through that process when it comes to, to miscarriage and pregnancy loss, the great majority of first trimester losses are because there was something wrong with the baby. It has nothing to do with the mom whatsoever. Okay. You know, when I had my miscarriage, I was like, oh my gosh, did I go to the gym too much? Did I eat the wrong thing? Did I do? No, no, you have done nothing wrong. Yeah. Sometimes life just sucks. Yeah. 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 And I, I always, um, you know, I have so much love and support for women who have miscarriages because it's just, you know, it's not something they chose. And um, when I was stepping into my coaching business, because I used to be a client attraction coach, I was working with another coach and she's like, oh, you know, you need, you need this. You need to help these women because I'm an aroma cognitive behavior practitioner. And I'm like, there's no way I can help women like that. And she's like, yes, and you need to add women with miscarriage and loss of children. And I'm like, no, those are not related. Women who had miscarriages did not choose that. And, and I can imagine like there's a difference of opinion. And I did some market research on that. My friend's from Italy and she said, you know, abortion in, in Italian is aborto, which means miscarriage. And I never knew that. Yeah. And I've been studying like the word, words are so powerful. And I've been studying words for a long time. And I was just like, oh, I need to start looking up all the words then. And you know, and, and sometimes I still feel like imposter syndrome or, you know, like a hypocrite or whatever, because it's like our experiences are so different. Even women who choose abortion um, versus women who have miscarriage, our body still had life within us and we still lost it. And regardless, we never know why we make the choices that we make. And like you said, um, and someone else had told me this as well, that same woman, you guys have a lot of similarities, <laughs> has said that. You know, that that little soul decided not to be born and it didn't matter because that's the, that was the choice for that little soul for whatever reason. And, you know, you have you never know why. Right. And, um, you know, it's, it's just an incredible way, the way our body responds to to the things that we do. And if we choose not to be able do you see a lot of um, like I know a lot of women, one of the women I interviewed on here was pregnant with twins or she may, she thinks she may have been pregnant with twins. She had an abortion and then shortly after she got pregnant. So she wasn't sure if the baby was a twin and she's out, her intuition is telling her the baby was a twin. Have you ever experienced that with any of the infants that you care for in your practice? Like where? Yeah, absolutely. I've had um, moms that were pregnant with twins and one didn't make it and one did. Um, and some of them have told me really interesting stories about when the surviving child was young, they would play with the other one and they knew it was their sibling. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. You know, but I think, I think there's a lot more commonality between women who have had an abortion and women who have had a pregnancy loss. You know, you spoke very eloquently about having that life inside of you. And I think women who, who choose to have an abortion really put too much pressure on themselves. You know, you have to trust your instinct. And again, if the instinct is saying, you know, this soul isn't meant right now, I think you have to go with that. Um, I have seen in my medical practice, some women who were advised to have an abortion for medical reasons and chose not to. And the infant really suffered until they died. And they all eventually died because, you know, of of genetic conditions or or malformations or whatnot. Um, But the short life that they did have was just, it was full of pain. Yeah. Yeah. And and I've seen a lot of disabled children, um, you know, who totally have no movements, no communications whatsoever. Right. Um, for, for that reason too. Yeah. So it is, it's, it, it can be heartbreaking. We don't ever, never understand why things happen the way that they happen. And I imagine being right. a medical doctor, you see so much more than, you know, what we hear about. Um, so, you know, you are a very strong woman and I, I just thank you for your service and caring for, for people the way that you do and walking them through that. And, you know, just, the emotional care is so important as well as, I mean, I know like when your child is sick, a mama hearts break. Cause it's like, I want to help you, but I don't know what to do. And, you know, and <laughs> I imagine you get a lot of different things that go on and all well, the rules and everything. I don't know. I live in New York. So our rules are a little bit more crazy for the medical world than they are in other States. Yeah. Especially I've- when it comes to, immunizations and things like that. Yeah. I practice in Southern Wisconsin, so I'm sure, I'm sure it is a bit different. Yeah. Yeah. All I know about Wisconsin is there's good cheese there. Oh, there's a lot of good cheese. There's a lot of good cheese. We even have something called a cheese castle. It's a building that looks like a castle. That's just full of cheese. (laughs) Perfect. Perfect. So now that um, you've grieved the loss, did you go through a special program or did you do any kind of special journaling or anything? You know, I struggled a lot with um, postpartum anxiety after my daughter was born. And again, I think it was because of the whole grieving process. And I started seeing um, a, a counselor who specialized in postpartum concerns. And that was really, really helpful for me because she was the one that helped me walk through the issues that came about because my family never encouraged emotions. Mm -hmm. So she was a big help in my grieving process to help me understand that feelings aren't bad. They're not good. They're just feelings. They're going to pass and don't judge yourself for having them. Just experience them and let them go. Definitely experience them, good or bad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when you can connect the uh, the breath work with the with the cognitive, it's amazing how you get shifts 
in your heart and your emotions so that you can get the result that you're looking for. Tell us about your book. Oh, my book. I am so proud of this thing. So it is called I Got You Mama, A Pediatrician's Guide to Surviving and Thriving During Pregnancy, Childbirth, and the First Year of Your Baby's Life. Um, And it is really all of the stuff that somebody should have told a woman and a family going through the early parenting journey that nobody wants to talk about. Um, I, I was inspired to write it by the women in my medical practice. I've been a pediatrician for almost a decade. And over the years, families and especially new moms still have the same concerns and same questions. And why did nobody tell me this? And oh my gosh, I had no idea this was going to happen. And I'm wearing a diaper and why I, and nobody told me that I was going to go home from the hospital wearing a diaper. And, and so they really inspired me to write the book. It really encompasses everything that I wish I would have known about pregnancy, childbirth, and the first year of my baby's life. And there is a chapter specifically on pregnancy loss. In fact, it's one of the first chapters in the book because so many women experience pregnancy loss. And again, people don't want to talk about it. It's considered taboo. Yeah. Yeah. And we, we have to get women to talk about it. So that's beautiful. I'm glad you wrote the book and it's available on Amazon, Amazon? Barnes and Noble. Barnes and Noble and Amazon. I think Target also picked it up, not in stores yet, but online. So that's kind of cool. Okay. Perfect. Is it on audio yet? Not yet. I got to work on that. That's, that's kind of next up on the list. Yeah. I have a whole bunch of friends who don't like anything but audio books as oh. they drive to their to drive to work for 45 minutes one way. That is my husband to a T. In fact, every time we get in the car with him, uh, the audiobook automatically turns on and it's blaring. And I'm like, can't you fix that? we're not reading with with us in the car right (laughs) yeah well that's awesome and so anyone listening um i thank you so much um for sharing your story and your expertise and uh, i look forward to reading that book so i could recommend it to my friends because i have a lot of friends that have experienced loss in some way um and they really do need that support because that first year Oh, it is so frustrating. A lot of women think they're alone. So for whoever's listening, if you're listening in the present or in the future, know that you are not alone. You have, there's a huge network of support. Women who have experienced this journey, who have gone before you, who are ready to come out and talk about the need to heal, the need to reveal so you can heal. So if you'd like to connect with Dr. Kristen Cook, please visit her. Um, she has, um, she is on social media. Um, you can visit her with her website for her book. I got you mama.com. The links will be in the description. And if you know someone that can benefit from her story or would like to reach out to her, please share this um, video or podcast, however you're listening with them. Remember mindset is the crux of all that we do. It's a matter of the heart. All proceeds go to support the Mind Timing Ministries, a safe place for courageous women healing from post-abortion.